Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, don't be mad that the Braves are beating all the bad teams. Do we really care about the NBA draft? And tonight is the next step in Atlanta's journey as being a world-class sports city. All of that coming up. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. We welcome you into this Thursday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckry here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put at Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find the page, subscribe to it. Leave us a comment there if you would, please. Of course, we are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So download us there, Spotify, Odyssey, whichever one is your favorite. Leave us a five-star review and always follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Well, the Braves did it again last night. 14 in a row have not lost in the month of June thus far. And now with an off day, they go to Chicago to play the lowly, dreadful, awful, pawn scum, you know, that moldy mildew that gets on the inside of a fish tank when you take the water out of it, Chicago Cubs. Now, this is funny because this has become the narrative for New York fans, Philly fans, Dodger fans, some sports fans in general. Well, you know, they're only beating the bad teams. Now, remember over a month ago when I talked about that, I told y'all over a month ago to circle June 2nd on your calendar because that would be the start for the Braves when things would start to balance out between them and the Mets. And it was specifically related to the schedule. The fact that the Braves would start four games in Colorado, then take on the Oakland A's, then take on the Pittsburgh Pirates, then take on the Washington Nationals. They would have a stretch of 13 games where they were playing some of the worst teams in baseball. On the flip side of that coin, the Mets were going to start a 13-game stretch where they were going to play some of the top teams in baseball. Now, when we told you the Los Angeles or the Cal, as I call them, the California Angels, they were one of the better teams in baseball at the time. But they had to go to the LA Dodgers, to the San Diego Padres, to the California Angels, then come back home to, at the time, was the division-leading Milwaukee Brewers. Now, things obviously changed. California went on a long losing streak, fired their manager. The Milwaukee Brewers have struggled of late. They've dropped out of first, and the St. Louis Cardinals, who are red hot, are now in first. But it doesn't change the fact that those are still good teams in Major League Baseball. And I said that the, the balance of the schedule would start to flip itself out because the Mets had played a bunch of scrubs and stuff like that. So now everybody's got the narrative of, well, you know, the Braves are doing this against all of the bad teams. Oh, are they? Isn't everybody doing that? Let's take a look at the New York Mets, for instance, okay? Let's look at who the Mets have beat this year. The Mets have 41 wins, okay? 17 of those, almost half of their wins, 17 out of 41. So do the math. What's that? 40, 45% of their wins are against two teams, Philadelphia and the Washington Nationals, who they're eight and two against this year. They've won eight out of 10 games against the Nats. They've also beat Arizona four out of six times. And look, the one good team that they have beaten, the significance is the St. Louis Cardinals. They're five and two against. 
But the Mets have loaded up on wins against bad teams. Let's flip over to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, the Dodgers, who, by the way, have 39 wins, have nine of those wins against the low-life, dreadful, pawn-scum Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, they've played the Cubs as well. They're 3-0 and against the Cubs. Oh, they've played the Cincinnati Reds. They're 4-0 and against the low-life, hapless, triple-A Cincinnati Reds team. The one team that's funny is they're 1-5 and against the Pirates. Unbelievable to think. But this narrative about the Braves beating bad teams, that's what all the good teams do. How do you think the Dodgers get to 105 wins? How do you think the Mets or any other team are going to get to 95, 98, or 100 wins if you don't be the bad teams? What are they supposed to do? Lose to those teams? You know what happens when you lose to those teams like the Braves were doing in the early part of the season? You find yourself 10 and a half games back in the division in May. All the good teams, when they play the other good teams, are going to be pretty much on par with one another. Look at the Dodgers and Mets record against the really good teams. It's two and one, one and two, you know, two and two. You're not going to go, you know, you're not going to play the L.A. Dodgers and go 15 and four against them. You're not going to play the Mets and go 16 and three against the Mets. Those those teams you'll be pretty balanced against if you're one of the better teams in baseball, because they're the better teams in baseball as well. That's why when you get to the playoffs, a lot of these series go five, six, seven games because teams are pretty balanced. And while I understand that you don't see the Cubs and the Pirates, you know, and the Reds in the playoffs, you won't get to the playoffs if you don't beat those teams. You're supposed to beat the hapless teams. You're supposed to beat. I got news for you. You think anybody's going to fuss and moan with the Mets in a couple of weeks when they load up with the Miami Marlins? Oh, well, they're not too bad. They stink. They they Their best guy is a pitcher that they'll probably end up trading. Alcantara's maybe the Cy Young leader right now in the clubhouse. He'll be gone, whether all-star break or trade deadline or by next year, because that's what they do. And they'll go back to being their hapless organization like they already are, and they'll just keep funneling their pieces away. Remember five years ago when the Marlins had Yelich and Ozuna and Gordon and this guy and that guy, Rio Muto? Remember they had that whole group of guys. Oh, they're the next great friend. Then they just dispatched everybody off it. Everybody got dispatched. So they're always going to be a low-tier organization. So, again, it's funny to think that you penalize a good team for doing what they're supposed to do. What happened for the Braves, and as I explained to you, is that they had a run of bad teams all in a row. Now, Major League Baseball didn't sit up in some laboratory and mix chemicals together and say, okay, we're going to put all of these bad teams in a row for the Braves, and we're going to put all of these good teams in a row for the New York Mets. It just is one of those scheduling things. It's one of those quirks in the schedule. But I told you that this would, how it would work itself out. Look, I was hoping that the Braves would go 11 and two in that stretch. They're third. They were 13 and zero in this stretch. Okay. I thought the Mets might go five and eight in this stretch. Well, after losing last night, the, the Mets are six and six in that 13 game stretch that we talked about. 
So either today they'll be seven and six if they beat the Brewers or six and seven if they lose today. They're still going to be better than I thought that they were. But don't get it twisted about the idea of, well, you're just beating the bad teams because you're supposed to. All of the good teams load up on bad teams. Arizona, Washington, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Reds. Y'all play, everybody in the National League plays all the same teams. And especially the Mets, they play all the same teams that the Braves will play, interleague and otherwise. So this notion about loading up on bad teams when that's what everybody else in the National League has done is, as I like to say, bunk, bull, and malarkey, and that's not a law firm. The Braves are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And we'll see if they can keep this streak going, but I have a feeling they're not going to lose any of these games in Chicago either because they stink as well. All right, when we get back, one week from today is the NBA draft. Are we excited about that here in Atlanta? We'll next hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked Atlanta. Back with you on hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to Ucom, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into your browser, find us there, and hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment about what we talk about. As always, free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five star review and then follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. You know what a week from tonight is? The NBA draft. Now, listen. I have said this has been like the this has felt like the longest NBA finals ever. It's been like 17,000 days of the NBA finals. And while I enjoy this matchup between Golden State and Boston and all that, I am so ready as a Hawks fan to get to this offseason because this is going to have the chance and hopefully it will have the ability to be one of the more monumental, transformative, important and just downright fun offseasons that we've had as an Atlanta Hawks fan because we expect the Hawks to be big players in whatever is going to happen in the offseason. Now, I think there's a lot of rumor and innuendo. A lot of players that, for instance, are more myth than reality that are available. But nonetheless, uh, and, and this is a year, like I've explained before, that I really wish that free agency and all that was first before we had the NBA draft. But with that being said, do we really care that much about the NBA draft as Hawks fans? The Hawks have two picks. The first one is the number 16 pick in the draft. And I'm looking at different mocks. Bleacher Report says Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Okay. CBS has uh, Malachi Branham out of uh, Ohio State. Uh, SB Nation's got Ty Ty Washington. Sports Illustrated has Tari Eason out of LSU. Okay, like, do we really know that much about any of these guys, right? I mean, when you're talking about 16 in the NBA draft, it's such a crapshoot as it is. And again, if we had fantasy first, maybe that was easier for the Hawks to go in there and make a package with that 16th pick and use that as part of a trade or what have you. But unfortunately, the Hawks are going to have to make a deal and have, either have to pick first or make a move around, you know, their 16th pick of the draft as it is. Move up, move down, put it in a package with whatever it's going to be. OK, here's the thing. This would be my hope for the Atlanta Hawks in this draft. OK, one of two scenarios. Number one would be to draft a guy 
that is valuable enough that another team wants him included into a trade package. Okay. That, yeah, you know, you, you draft whatever. Joe Bag of Donuts is who you draft at 16. And the Utah Jazz say, okay, we want whatever. John Collins and Joe Bag of Donuts for Donovan Mitchell. We, we want Joe Bag of Donuts, Donovan, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts, John Collins, and another piece for Donovan Mitchell, whatever like that. And then we make that move, whatever. So that's my first thing is hopefully that they either draft a guy that somebody else wants or the reality is without expecting them to draft a star, draft another player at 16 that can fill a role and help this team take that next step forward. Not a substitute for a star, but be another role player. Just like how we talked about with the Celtics and the Warriors, where they found Poole and they found um, uh, Looney and the Celtics found uh, Marcus and, and Grant Williams, finding a guy who can play a role on this team. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not that excited about the NBA draft for the Atlanta Hawks. I think we're kind of at the point where building through the draft and sitting back and waiting. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when, when before the final started, which like the final started, I think like right after Easter and they're still going here as we're about ready to hit the 4th of July. Right. But Steve Williams, you know, we, we talked about, or Steve Kerr, I should say, we talked about the fact that there are similarities between the Hawks and the Celtics and the Warriors, as far as how they're building, how they built this and the other, there are some similarities there. And Steve Kerr talked about having patience through the draft and this and that and things like that. Okay. I'm going to say that, you know, I, and I said this when we talked about this, I err on the side of, I'm not patient anymore. I've got my superstar player in Trey Young. I need to go ahead. He's already a 30 and 10 player. I need to go ahead and build my roster now and win now with him. And yeah, if I have a step back here, step back there, I'm still in the middle of the prime of his career. I'm not sitting around waiting for him to finally have the pieces that he needs for them to be good and expending some of his prime years, whether it's his prime years, DeAndre Hunter's years, whatever like that. While I've got those guys young, and some of that's, you know, on the cheap or what have you, but they're going to have to probably extend Hunter here sooner rather than later because he's due for his rookie extension. But I don't want to keep building through the draft. I'm not interested in, that's why when I see some of these proposals about, you know, that, oh man, the, the Hawks are really interested in Portland's number seven pick. Okay. If Sacramento, if the Sacramento Queens are giving away the fourth pick, why would I want number seven and not go get number four? I mean, if I'm going to move up in the draft into the top 10, um, why would I settle for Portland's pick? Why would I not go after the Sacramento Queens pick, who I've done business with before, and if they want to get out of four, because if we're being honest, that's really where the draft starts, right? I think we acknowledge that the top three picks are pretty set. It's Palalo, it's the kid, the big kid out of Gonzaga, and it's uh, the kid out of Auburn. There's your top three. So the draft starts at number four. Why the hell would I settle for number seven? I mean, there ain't that big a difference with all due respect in the NBA draft. It's not like the NFL draft. There is a big points difference in the value of the fourth versus the seventh pick in the NFL draft. But in the NBA draft, where it's all a crapshoot, how big of a difference is there? And it's the Sacramento Queens. Now, I'm not in favor of moving up in the top 10, understand. But my point is, is that if the Hawks are going to move up to go get what they hope is a star player, don't settle for uh, go. 
do it. As I keep talking about this offseason with the Atlanta Hawks, to quote Ronald Reagan, this is not a time for pale pastels. This is a time for bright, bold colors. This is a time for the Hawks to be uber-aggressive, ultra-aggressive, hardcore, you know, pound that thing to the max. If we're going to make a move, not make moves for move's sake, let's make a move. Let's do something that is transformative. Don't settle for seven. Go to four. Don't settle for this role player, that role player. Go get a star. Go get somebody. Well, this guy doesn't fit. We'll make it fit. I'll make Donovan Mitchell fit. Here's what I know about Donovan Mitchell. It's a back-to-back in the NBA, and Trey's a little dinged up. I can, If I've got Donovan Mitchell, I can sit Trey for the night and still have a guy who's 26-5 and five on the floor. Not ham and egg, jabron, you know, a humanoid coming off the bench that I got to hope or let's hope this guy scores. Let's hope that guy does something. No, I got my 26 and five star that's on the court that, you know, he can play the back-to-back and he's good to go. And I'll let Trey sit. I got back-to-back nights in whatever, Philly and New York. I'll sit Trey for a night, you know, to give him a little bit of rest. He's a little bit dinged up or whatever like that. I want that star. So, I'm not excited. You know, I'm actually going to be at the draft and I'm going to be part of uh, some coverage there and MC and a fan event and all that. And that's fine. You know, I'm looking forward to, you know, all that environment. I want to eat. I want to drink. I want to be there and all that when the Hawks make their pick and all that. That's great. But as far as who the Hawks take and we're talking about 16, I don't care. I just read you four different mock drafts that have four different names in them with guys that by and large, 99% of the sports viewing public knows nothing about, unless you're a specific fan of that school or you're my buddy, Deshaun Tate, you you don't know about these players and especially how they're going to translate into the NBA game. So either go out there and get me a pick that I can use as a bargaining chip or go find me another role player and give me somebody who at least is going to try to, help be a part of the solution and I'll still have to figure out my star. All right. When we get back, we will get the announcement tonight that should make Atlanta even one step closer to being one of the great world-class sports cities in not just America, but in the world. It's up next hitting hard with John Chuckery on locked on sports Atlanta. Welcome back in. It's hitting hard with John Chuckery here on locked on sports Atlanta, head over to youtube.com, find locked on sports Atlanta, put it in your browser. When you find our page, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment about what we're talking about. Also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, which include Spotify and Odyssey. Find us there. Leave us a five-star review if you would. And of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Tonight, we get, and I think this starts at like 5.30 or 6 o'clock, somewhere in that that range time. We are going to get the names of the host cities for the 2026 World Cup. Now, we already know that it's obviously going to be in North America, the U.S., Canada, Mexico. They're going to get, you know, um, a myriad of picks. I was looking at, and, and most of these will be obviously American um, cities, but I was looking at a, an article from NBC Sports that talk about the host cities that will make it, ranking the potential venues. New York 1, LA 2, Miami 3, Seattle 4, Dallas 5, San Francisco 6, 
Atlanta comes in at number seven with DC, Boston, and Philly. Okay. Can I tell you, um, with all due respect, and 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 this is sort of what we fight here in Atlanta. Okay. This idea of, oh, well, they're in the South and they're not a global. Yeah, we are. We have the biggest, busiest airport in the entire world here in the city of Atlanta. And by the way, if you've ever been to Hartsfield Jackson, it is the easiest airport to get in and out of. It really is. I've been to LAX and Miami and different places. Those airports suck compared to Atlanta. Atlanta is super easy to get in and out of. Okay. And our venue, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, guess what it was built for? It wasn't just built as a football stadium. It was built specifically to be a soccer stadium and host the World Cup. So we already know Atlanta is a, uh, it's a, um, it's a destination for conferences and regional meetings and tourism and different things like that. So look, Atlanta is going to get at least one round of games that are going to be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But I just have to laugh because it's typical. What about, with all due respect to San Francisco, Miami, Seattle, even Dallas, would make that more of an attraction spot than Atlanta? With a better airport, more centralized location for all the European nations to come over here, uh, a, a big hub of an airport, a world-class stadium that was built specifically for this kind of event. Oh, yeah. Um, remind me again how many Olympics that there have been in Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle, and Miami. How many times have they hosted the Olympics there? I do seem to remember because, I don't know, I was here in 1996 that the Olympics were here. So it just kind of makes me laugh when I see this. Atlanta is a global sports city. It, it When you talk about the biggest sporting events, Super Bowl, Final Four, whatever you want to talk about, all-star games, this, that, and the other, now World Cup. Atlanta is a destination city, and it is one of the premier. I'm not going to tell you that it's L.A. or New York because those are the you know two the, the, the two most populated cities in the United States. And obviously with L.A., it's, you know, that's where all of your Asian and, you know, um, you know, Eastern European nations and stuff like that can get to pretty easily or, you know, I mean, you know, whatever. But again, this idea that Atlanta takes a backseat to anybody in the world of sports, whether here in America, globally, whatever, is ridiculous. And I know, like, people are going to talk about, well, you know, the fans, you know that. Uh, last I looked, we're a championship city. Last I looked, the World Series championship was here in Atlanta. Last I looked, the college football championship was here in the metro area. Well, Athens is in Atlanta. Okay. In in the world of global sports, Athens is Atlanta. It, it's not like it's in another state. It's not like it's a two-day drive to get down to, to get out to Athens. It's an hour and a half, for God's sakes, outside of downtown Atlanta. So, look, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. You know, the, the World Cup is, as you all tell me, it's the biggest event in the world and this and most watched and things like that. The idea that Atlanta is only seventh as far as venues go when you factor in the airport, the 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 nature of the city, the ease of getting around, the hotels, the industry, the, the soccer. Again, last I looked, don't we have an MLS championship here in Atlanta? Or did I miss that? Was I out for coffee and bagel that week when all that happened? 
So again, it'll be, you know, at the end of the day, Atlanta's probably going to get one of the higher, higher, you know, spots as far as what round and stuff. Are they going to get the World Cup final in Atlanta? Probably not this go around. But don't be surprised if that ends up when when we pull off this event and everybody sees how big of an event it is and they see our world-class stadium and this, that, and the other. Everybody knows we're Destination City. It's just funny that when you live here in Atlanta, that the perception from people on the outside, yet millions of people flood here to come and live in this in this city. That's why we're up over 6 million people in the metro area, because people love coming down here. They realize what a world-class type of market that it is. It's a great airport. The city does everything it can to bring in conventions and make it a destination city. When I moved here in 93, this was arguably one of the top four or five destination, you know, convention cities in America. And oh yeah, there's good nightlife and, you know, some adult themed nightlife and all, but again, we'll, we'll skip that for, for right now and everything like that. But look, we'll find out tonight where exactly, because Atlanta is getting the world cup, that the world cup will be coming to Atlanta and Atlanta has done and, Hats off to Arthur Blank and everybody else that, that's involved. Atlanta has done everything to put itself in prime position to get one of these better round games. I don't know what it's going to be, you know, late in the knockout rounds or, you know, semifinal. I don't know what. You know, we'll, we'll find all that out tonight and we'll be able to analyze it. But it's just funny the perception that people have about Atlanta when you talk about all of the things that surround it. You know, and, and I know people love to argue fan base and, uh, well, they don't sell out this. Okay, you want me to show you, you know, I'm going to show you pictures of Yankee Stadium not being filled even when they win. You want me to show you the Dodger crowd that gets there by about the third or fourth inning. We can we can go tet for tet if you want on all of these things in all these different sports cities that don't make them any different than Atlanta. Okay, the difference is Atlanta has all kinds of other things going for it. It's got all the hotels it's got all you know whether the congress center or this or that it's got all the facilities and arenas it's got everything that you want that's why atlanta's always been an expansion city that's why we have mls and nfl and nba and major league baseball and yes we've lost you know we've had two hockey teams and lost them but i can assure you that the reason we lost the second hockey team had nothing to do with the fans that's because you had an ownership group that didn't have enough money to be able to fund two different sports organizations and, you know, let it, you know, let the Atlanta Thrashers kind of take it on the chin. And anyway, that's, if you were here, you know what the story is about the, all of that. So good for Atlanta. It's going to be exciting tonight to see this all take place and happen. And let's hope that we get a top tier, you know, match when all is said and done. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery part of your daily listen. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make my friends over at ATL Day Ones, Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, your second listen every day. Speaking of the heart of the city of Atlanta, talking all things Atlanta sports, you can find them free and available on our YouTube page. Subscribe there when you get there. Also, too, free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review, and I ask you to follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. We will wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked on Sports Atlanta.